So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio.
just hit that bell and it will be ding. You get it in the email. You get it on however way you get your notifications from YouTube. <laughs> and you'll know. <laughs> you'll know that we got something up there new. So head on over to YouTube and hit that bell to be notified when we got some new material for you guys. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, we like to shout people out. Listen, we, we love supporting people. We love helping mm-hmm. others. And listen, our friend to the show, Mr. B&B, the fabulous Brian Peanut uh, Brown. Listen, no, you used to be known as the Detroit Kingpin. He has uh, just taken his life and spent it all the way around. And his documentary is now out. Living for the sacrifices on Tubi. Y'all make sure y'all go and support him. Um, B&B Records, we appreciate them. They bought out their documentary. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to watch it after after the show on today. It's Living for the Sacrifice. Make sure y'all watch that on today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some good stuff over on Tubi. You know, another friend to the show, Mr. Silk White, he has some mm-hmm. good material over there on Tubi as well, among other ones. You know, there's so many, I can't even think of any others, but check them out. You know, support that channel and support those artists because, you know, they're doing their thing. And the best way we can say thank you is by supporting them. Absolutely. And sharing it as well. You know, we mm-hmm. always talk that talk here, but we always do a little something here on Let's Chat. Uh, so, you know, I have my scent <laughs> that I put on. Uh, this will be the third annual uh, Visions and Books. We got 17 fabulous featured authors. It's going to be April 2nd, 2022. On April 1st, mm-hmm. we're having our first karaoke bash. So this is the thing with the karaoke bash. We have now added our community, a community asset. And what a community asset mm-hmm. is, it's a business or a nonprofit that really pours into the community um, and builds us up. So we have two community assets this, to, uh, this well, next year, uh, the lady and the caddy. They not only do mm-hmm. golf lessons, but they do a health fair uh, called Hee a health expo called Hee every year. Um, and then we have Girls Brunch um, mm-hmm. that supports young girls um, and builds them up and mentors them. So we have those are our two community assets. Um, we normally do teachers. And I do mm-hmm. have two teachers, but I don't know. Because of the way that everything is going with the schools, I don't know if I'm going to do the teachers this year. Only because mm-hmm. if the schools go into virtual learning, then it doesn't make any, you know what I'm saying? So what I'm going to do for the schools is closer to the next school year, I'm going to do another karaoke bash, and it's going to be a back-to-school drive for those teachers, and that's how I'm going to do that. So we're still going to support the teachers in 2022. We're just going to do it a little bit differently uh, on the next Mm -hmm. school year. Okay. So the school year, like, around August, September when it starts? Um, school here starts in July. In July? That's mm-hmm. dumb. Wow. <laughs> they get out of school in May. They go back to school in July. I've, I've had kids here in the, in the New York area go to school 
in September is usually the week after Labor Day, and June is their last month of school. So they have July and August off for the summer. Yeah, so wow. now, and y'all keep it in your spirits, we're going to drop it, because I do want to take vision and books, and I want to go to different cities. I want to do vision and books in California. Uh, I want to do vision and books in Detroit. I, I want to be able to move it around, uh, and I know that mm-hmm. when you do a book conference, it's, it's a big deal, and it's a lot of little elements that, you know, Sometimes I, too, have Seesaw Vision. Y'all know we talk about Seesaw Vision a lot. Y'all know what Seesaw Vision is? Okay, so what Seesaw Vision is is that you see it and you feel it. So you know that's something you're supposed to do, but you you don't see it, the in-between, and so you get so excited, you get wrapped up in everything that you see. But everything that has to happen in-between, sometimes it becomes frustrating, Um and overwhelming mm-hmm. because it's like there's a lot of elements to your life before you see that end game that's been presented to you. And a lot of times right. we get wrapped up in that because we know that this is what we're supposed to do. But there's some other things we got to do before we get there. That's true. That's true. That's true. Like you said. Yeah, so our topic today is just new arrivals because that's really when you have that seed, that vision, and you see it, there's always a new arrival. There's something that you have to do, someplace, something. You have to be positioned somewhere. You got to cross paths with certain people. You got to do certain things before you get there. So it's always going to be a new arrival before you get to where you got to go. And, you know, a lot of times, like I said, we get overwhelmed, we get frustrated. But we have to um, really, really kind of calm our own self down. Listen, I'm telling a little Mm -hmm. short story. Um, So I went to the dentist, right? And this is Mm -hmm. how I know that mind over matter is real. Okay, so you know you go to the dentist and they give you um, the anesthesia before you go. And so when I used to get it, I used to kind of succumb to it where I didn't I didn't really have control. So I mm-hmm. would say the first thing that would come out of my mouth. Like first thing that came in my head I would say it. Then I learned you can't say everything <laughs> that you think about. Because that, mm-hmm. that lets them know you hot, right? <laughs> but I have to learn honestly, I have to, to learn how to kinda control you know what I'm saying? Control, not all the way be into it. And and when they say mind over matter, it is so tr- it's hard, but it's something mm-hmm. that I have to learn how to do. Um, one, because I have to teach myself how to relax. I don't like I don't like needles, so I don't like the dentist. Not too much. Sorry, y'all dental people. Y'all are great people, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I have to learn how to kind of talk to myself and talk myself down. Like, literally. So, mm-hmm. flash forward to our conversation today. That's what we have to do when there's a new arrival. Um, things happen. Sometimes things come in, and we think that that's supposed to be what it's supposed to be as a permanent thing. You know, we have people that come into our lives that are twigs and roots, but we also have situations and projects and you know, connections that come into our lives that are twists and roots. Everybody is not meant to last uh, 
sometimes they're just meant for that season and that level. And we have to Mm -hmm. remember and we have to control how to keep that. True. Because everybody's not meant to go on you with you on your journey as well. Exactly. But we're so focused on the end game that we think that the person that we get because they're a good fit at that time and at that season of our life that they're supposed mm-hmm. to go all the way. And so when they don't, then we get sidetracked because mm-hmm. then it becomes a distraction because we haven't really sat down to think that, okay, this person isn't meant to be all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. This was their season. This was their time. And there's nothing wrong. It's just that they're not meant to move forward with you. That's not their position in your right. in your world. And right. we have to start looking at that and stop getting sidetracked, um, especially artists. I mean, see, some of these rap artists, I be wanting to know who their people is. Like, who on the back phone? <laughs> who calling y'all? Who, I mean, who do you mm-hmm. really have in your camp? Who's your PR person? Listen, they're not doing their job. You need to fire the whole team. You know, because sometimes the things that they do and the way that they mm-hmm. move, I think that they forget that you are a business first and foremost. Right. And a brand. You know, exactly. you're, you're a brand. You know, you don't want and to you can take, damage yeah. that. And you can take that down by just a few words or actions. That's right. Like we're gonna and do it, a show, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be a touchy subject, and so I gotta, I gotta do it in a way where it is um, not touchy. But I, I've noticed that women are no longer being called women. They're starting to call us cisgenders, cisheads. I'm like, what is that? That's so disrespectful to me. So we're going to do a show and we're going to talk about it. But I have to do it in a way that um, does not offend other people. And it's funny how other people get offended by the things that we do and say, but they don't understand how when they offend us, we're supposed to take it. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. Me either. No questions a, asked, you know. Exactly. Calling a woman cisgender is offensive. Just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it makes us feel good. Because we are women. That's not something we 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 are. Uh, I've decided to be a woman. No. They so, call cisgenderly. Girl, I had to ask, and I told them I'm not being disrespectful. What is it? Because I don't know. Is it? Is it S I S gender? I don't even know how to spell it. I looked it up. I think it's C I S gender. But I've we've been called cis heads and cisgender, and I'm like, listen, words, wordplay can change an identity so fast. Ain't nobody got mm-hmm. time for that. We are women. Ain't no cisgender or cis head. We are women, and I feel that respect us, respect who we right. are. Don't be giving us no new names. Like, we're supposed to take it because that's what you do every five minutes. Yes, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but if you offend it, go ahead and strap that shoe on. Strap it on tight. <laughs> it's okay. You'll be all right. But we're supposed to be so mindful about how we speak and treat other people so that they are comfortable and not uh-huh. offended. 
But if they don't care if we're comfortable or offended, they just do whatever. So we're going to try to do a a show, and we I want to do a good conversation about that. But I got to do it in a way mm-hmm. that nobody is offended and that um, it, it becomes a conversation that needs to be talked about. You know, right. you can't say you love a black woman and then disrespect her at the same time. Ain't nobody, nobody got time for that. So, mm-hmm. yes. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a way, you know, that's very sensitive to others, even though we don't care if it's sensitive to others, because it is what it is. <laughs> that's right. Especially if they don't care, you know, so if exactly. nobody's caring, then let's just keep it all real 100%. Exactly. Listen, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this, this woman's right movement. How I mean, how they're like, we're supposed to, girl, we about to have a whole female conversation. <laughs> I just have to do it in a way and have the right guest position so that we can have an effective conversation. But we're about to talk about everything, everything, mm. woman. We about to talk about it, but <laughs> we gonna get off our soapbox. We appreciate you guys. Thank y'all for tuning in. <laughs> Open us up, okay. Absolutely. Well, once again, you listen to Celeste Chat. My name is Miss Tony, and our passionate woman over there is my partner in all things. That's Miss Leisha. No, excuse me. We talk about everything on this show, if you guys haven't learned that by now. Alicia and I, we first started off just celebrating literature because, first and foremost, we are readers. But we have evolved into so much more than just literature. We now have um, every walk of life that have been through the doors of us, musicians, publishers, athletes, lawyers, you name it, they've been through the doors of us chat. You know, we and, and by them doing that, we get to hear and experience the passion that they have, you know, they 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 just share it with us. And Lisa and I are so grateful that they share their precious time with us. You know, it allows us as well as our listening audience to interact with them in an intimate, fun, and friendly environment because you never know who's listening and may be touched by something that they hear here on Let's Chat. So we thank everybody for always providing us with that time that energy. So we thank you and get ready for another powerful night tonight. I got our topic for tonight is new arrivals. We have two great artists friend to the show. You know, he we always love when he comes in. Uh it, it gets a little controversial, but that's what dialogue is for. <laughs> but I love when he comes and, and shares his, his energy with us. The one and only Mr. Omar Paris. And then we have a beautiful young children's author. I'm not, you know, Leisha and I can mess her name up. I'm going to say Zania, Zania Williams. I know how to say Williams, but she's going to be joining us a little bit later. So make sure you guys stay around and get ready for another version of Let's Chat with Miss Tony and Leisha. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. We actually have some new music by Omar Tyree, y'all. See, readers that listen, a lot of y'all know that he is a New York Times bestselling author, so y'all know his pen, y'all know his books, but he is a literary OG. I used to call him the hardest working man of literature, but now he do a little bit of everything. You know, he does movies, and now he uh, is doing music. And so we played his music over the year. We keep it in our vault because I like it. Uh, that's that grown soul, grown folk music that I, I like how he put that vibe to it. So he's going to come in here and talk mm-hmm. about his projects. We have the fabulous Omar Tyree. 
Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? We good, Omar. How you doing this evening? Were y'all talking about women's lib tonight? I'm just, I was just listening to y'all rambling on about a bunch of topics. Uh, we're talking about women's lib, but we're going to do it on a different night. We're going to do it, uh, you know, when we talk about stuff, especially something touchy like that, you got to do it in a way where everybody is understanding and not so uh, offended. But, yeah. <laughs> Some things got to be talked about with this women's lib thing. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're talking in a, like a hallway or something. It's like your, your voice is not solid. Do my voice sound like that too? Or am I right up on the mic or just sound like I'm in the hallway? No, you sound fine. How do I sound? All right, now you sound now you sound right up on it. Maybe you was had more, more distance in the microphone, but you know I'm like really analytical about voices now because I'm doing a recording every day. I just came out the studio a couple hours ago, you know, mixing down a couple tracks. So now I'm really key on vocals and how close you are to the mic and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just hyper-thinking everything, listening to you. Okay, Mr. Oh, my Tyree, I can't see you being analytical. <laughs> hey, man, as always, writers got to be analytical. Otherwise, what are you writing about? You got to be able to logically break down what you're writing about. So that's, that's for all the time. You know what I mean? That's every day, all day. Yeah. I was so just being facetious. <laughs> Let us know what you've been cooking in your creator's kitchen. Okay, now, if you just asked the question, you backed away from the mic again. you got to be real close on it. Me, i got them old man ears now, and I've been wearing them out with this music stuff. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you got to be right on the mic so I can hear nice and clear. Does it sound like you, you got distance between you and the microphone? Okay. Now, can you right hear me better now? Stay right there. If you stay right there, I can hear everything. But when you back up, then it's like, okay, I got to get her to repeat that. But if you stay right where you are now, when you said okay and ask me a question, I can hear. Okay. Let us know what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen. Okay, that was a question I wasn't ready to listen yet. (laughs) I'm trying to. All right, go ahead. Go. Wow, you backed away from the mic again. What's going on? Okay, Omar, this is Tony. I'm gonna um Lisa's gonna get her, her mic situation settled, but she wants you to share with us what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen. My creative picture? I'm not understanding that question. I'm not getting it clear. Your creative kitchen, like what you cook in, the room you cook in in the house, the kitchen. My creative kitchen or picture, like a photo? No, we want to know what you got going on lately. Okay, I'm working on music, okay, and uh, I got a Philadelphia album that I got mm, five songs done, two on the lab, that's seven. I'm trying to do 17 of them. I got to find more R&B people. I never would have thought that I couldn't find R&B people in Philadelphia, but what's going on right now is that most of the artists want to rap now because they figure that rap get more money and, and, and they get more popularity and all that kind of stuff. And then the people who mm-hmm. do sing, it's amazing they can't sing on assignment. They can only sing what they wrote and what they can already hear. If you try to give them a new song that they ain't heard before, <laughs> it's, like, it's like they can only sing what they can put together. You give them something on assignment mm-hmm. like, like a professional. And so, yeah, you got a lot of artists 
young artists, but they're not professionals. So they don't know how to do anything on assignment. <laughs> they just know how to do what they like, you know, which is crazy because now you, you, you're building a whole society of people that only know how to do what they like, and you can't hire them for anything, and that sounds crazy. You know, imagine if you mm-hmm. went to take your car into Goodyear or whatever to get it fixed, and they say, I don't like Toyotas. I don't like Hondas. I can't work on them. Right, and they're like, well, "What the heck is that? You can only work on car." Imagine that, you know. So that's how a lot of these young performers are right now. They they only can perform what they wrote or what they like. They can't perform something that you wrote or came up with that fits what they're doing or fits what you're trying to do. But that's what I'm working on right now, man. It's like people don't read like they used to, and fortunately, you guys already know I got a lot of energy and a lot of creativity, so I can jump into the music and film game. Uh, and, and get them things done, you know, because I understand mm-hmm. it and I'm good at it, but I wasn't involved in it every day like I am now. And so now it's time to break a record on radio, you know, terrestrial radio, you know, with the, with a clear channel and iHeart and all that stuff. And, and there's already on all of, uh, what they call it, the music apps, Spotify and Deezer and Apple and Amazon and all those guys. But the radio, terrestrial radio, is what I'm really hawking because that's where you hear everybody's powerful music for free. And everybody hears the same mm-hmm. music all over the country. So that's what I'm working on right now. And the music is so I can collect enough capital to do films. Film is my final frontier, but the Hollywood people are not giving up money for authors. Man, They are not doing it for black authors. you know. And that's why so many of our books have went unadapted. You know, and so now I'm like, yo, I'm I'm tired. I'm wore out from waiting and begging Hollywood. I got to create my own grip, my own bag, and then do my own films like Tyler Perry. So that's what the music is for because with music, once you got hit records, as long as you can keep putting them out, boy, the DJ Khaled thing looks really nice right now. If I could be DJ Khaled with these young people and putting hot records on them, I'll have all the money I need, and I'm not buying Rolls Royces and 12 houses and baby mamas and gold all over the place. I'm going to invest in my own film and then market my own because we all been waiting for that. So that's what I've been working on. Sorry I couldn't hear you guys uh, good like that, but, yeah, that's what I've been working on in the artistic lab. No problem, no problem. Uh, and with all that being said, Omar, this is Tony once again. Lisa's still getting herself situated. You know, with the challenges that you've encountered with the young talent that, that, that's been, you know, before you, how are you yeah. able to bring them around? How are you able to bring them around to what it is that you want from them? Well, for the most part, um, you got to pay them, of course. I always pay people, so that's number one, you know, because that's the first mm-hmm. thing they ask. Is, are you paying for this? You know, they, that whole free thing. It's funny how some adults who are not doing what I'm doing, they think you can get people to, to do it for free for the opportunity. I'm like, yo, dude, that was 20, 30 years ago. These kids now with the social media stuff, when they get a following and they know that other kids are getting sponsorships and money, oh, they don't want to hear that mm-hmm. free stuff now, dude. You got to be a great talker to get folks to do stuff for free now. You know what I mean? It's hard now, right. especially these kids, mm-hmm. because they know that word monetization and that monetization word is all over that phone and social media sites and whatnot. So with them knowing that word, that's the first thing I got to do is pay them. And then a lot of times, you know, they got to feel the song that you're doing. Uh, but, again, I'm able to do that more with hip-hop artists than I am with R&B artists. And the reason being, to be honest with you, a lot of the young R&B artists, they're not really singer-singers. 
they do that floating kind of Janet Jackson, Aaliyah, and Sierra type where they floating over the music. And I love Aaliyah, mm-hmm. by the way. I love Janet Jackson's work. But let's be real, that's not really power-breathing singing. That's like floating over the beat, harmonizing, melody down. They can do that till the cows come home. Well, if you ask them to sing, sing, oh, they got issues with that. And so that's, that's what I'm going mm-hmm. through right now. I can get them with money. I can get them when they like the song. But if the song sounds too hard, they start harking on that fun word, you know, as an artist. Oh, I just want to have fun. And when you're a professional, you know it's not about fun all the time. It's about execution. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to uh-huh. take yourself through the hard part to get some quality stuff done. But these kids, uh-huh. they, they love that fun word, and say so they don't, they don't want to do the hard part. But the hard part is when you really tighten up your skills to stand out. And so that's what I'm trying to work mm-hmm. with these kids on. Like when it's time to really get professional and really compete with the other people on radio, that's when you really got to tighten up and go through the hard part. And that, that's the conversation mm-hmm. I'm having with a lot of young people right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, this is Leisha. I have a question. So when you decide, you know, we always talk about a goal moment. And, you know, a lot of people know you for your book. Uh Let's go back. I want to talk about your goal moment into music. And we know kind of like the backstory, but this new project, what was your goal moment um, when you decided to say, I'm about to put this project, this particular project together? Because I saw your uh, YouTube um, video that's up. I love it. I love the song, but I want to know what was behind it. Right. I had a song that, we just completed. I didn't mix it yet. It's called Warmongers. And Philadelphia, in the hip-hop scene, for people that know Philadelphia and that's listening, they got a lot of battle rappers. Philadelphia is a very militant type of city. We are like fierce fighting people. That's how we are. And so a lot of the rappers in Philly, they battle each other all the time. It's about being the best, eating each other alive, that, that whole warrior mentality thing. You know, they're not really a commercial record city. Philly is a dissing kind of city. So with that being the case, I had this one track that sounded like war. It was funky as ever and sounded like war. It sounded like kung fu movies in a little bit. So I was like, yo, I could get me like three battle rappers in Philly and put them on this track and then do the kung fu introduction of them, this is number one, and this is number two, and number three, because I've heard that done all the time. I love kung fu movies, and I grew up in Philadelphia and West Philadelphia going to kung fu movies. You know, we had a whole lot of them in the 70s when I was coming up. So I looked at it that way, and I had this one track, and I said, yo, let me go ahead and do this one song. But then from that one song, I was like, you know what? Let me do a whole album with Philadelphians instead of just you know, working with the battle rappers on one song. How about getting the regular R&B people and the regular hip-hop people and, you know, pop people and, you know what I mean, all of them, you know, the soul records, EDM records. And so then it built from there. And uh, Aviance that you're talking about with International Soul, I was trying to work with them years before. And so they were the first people that said yes, that jumped on in. And we did that International Soul, which I'm trying to make as a new Philadelphia anthem. It's only been out about two months, so it got a lot of work, but we got to keep pushing. Because now you got to push a song for six months for it to get on radio, you know what I mean? So now I'm trying to go after real investor money to push that thing forward. And I got another song that we just worked on called What They Going to Say from a young brother named The Tag out of the Southwest Philly. And that song is vicious, and it's clean and thick and popping. 
and the whole idea what they gonna say, what they gonna say to me when I finally come out with my songs and do my thing. Cause people always got something to say, whether negative or positive. Get out of bed, so he like what they gonna say to me, and that's a hot joint. So you know that's how the whole thing came about. I had one song called "The Warmongers," and that will set the country on fire. I'm going after uh, the Wu Tang Clan's audience because they got an Asian audience, an international audience, and this Warmonger songs. Believe me when I tell you, it's going to get the whole international scene open. People that love strong, hard hip-hop and that whole kung fu scenery because that's what it has the feeling of. And then I do the kung fu voice in there. The Philadelphians, all they know is war, chaos, treachery. That's all they know. Listen to them. You know, so I do the kung fu voice as the intermission part, mm-hmm. introducing each rapper as he comes in, and the beat is crazy. You know, so that's how I got this thing started. And then from there, I want to be like, you know, uh, Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, uh, uh, Barry Gordy, uh, uh, Quincy Jones, you know, uh, what's that? Some more babyface writing songs, you know what I mean? Then you got Dr. Dre, Pharrell, Timberland, Kanye West, all these great producers of music. I'm, one, I'm trying to be another one of them dudes. And then that can break in the capital that I need and the popularity and momentum that I need to get the money I need for film because music is way more popular for black people than books are, and we all know that. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask your beats, because you always have really good beats behind your music. Um, who does your beats? How, how, what's the thought process and the, the passion that goes behind them? Well, when I get a beat, and I get beats every day now because I'm really cool with producers, and they know I write hot songs, So they can, and then I pay for everything. That's the thing. I don't trade and barter. I pay for everything. And so a lot of these beat producers, they call me one of their best customers because I've been storehousing beats. So i got like 100 beats right now that are crazy. So I'm going to be doing this for a while, and that's the old beats. I'm still getting new beats every day. Then I listen to the beat, and that's the thing. I listen. I don't try to throw nothing on it. I listen to the beat. I may listen to the beat 20, 30 times. You know, you keep listening to it. You ride around in your car. Then you get out the car, listen to it again. Then you listen to it at night. And so what happens, it beats a pattern in my head, all the different patterns. Because music is really mathematical. It's all math. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. It's all math. Every note is really mm-hmm. mathematical. And so I'm listening to all the math in my head, and I'm coming up with the cadence. Then I'm listening to the mood. The bass line, the piano, the horns, what's the mood? Is it sad? Is it happy? Is it hard? Is it fierce? Is it thoughtful? Then I get all the mood stuff to come up with the topic. Okay, this topic is happy. This topic is mean. This topic is introspective. And then I come up with the words that flow along with the beat and the cadence that flow along with the beat because it's all math. And then I put it together. I come up with the idea. Then I step to these young people that have a voice tone or a style that's similar to the song that I'm putting together, and then I try to pay him and say, I, I pay you $500, $1,000. I'm going to pay him more when I get more when I'm dealing with more established artists. But a lot of these guys are brand new, so a, a $500 and $1,000 is good money for you to do a new song, you know what I mean, when you ain't on like that mm-hmm. yet. And so that's the process. You know, I listen to the beat, I come up with the songs, and then I go ahead and get the young people to do the songs. Most of the times I have the hook. With R&B, I might write the whole song if I'm really feeling the beat and I start writing, mm-hmm. I'll write the whole thing. But with hip-hop guys, you know, they got to write their own stuff because if they don't and people hear about it, you know, they, they and black people started that. We smashing each other for ghostwriting or whatever. And I'm like, here we go again. Black people make everything hard for each other. Nothing's wrong with having a writer. 
there's an art form called performance where people that can sing, that's an art. You don't have to write every song if you can sing. Your art is singing. Now we got every singer thinking they can write everything, and as we know, you guys cover writing and, and literature and poetry. Everybody's not a great writer. But now you got that's people right. that's not great writers forcing themselves to write songs, and that's why we end up with so many average songs. Okay, and that's this mm-hmm. new era, mm-hmm. and they're personal. Every song is extra personal. They're not community songs anymore like we used to have when you think about everybody instead of just you. Okay, and so that's what I'm trying to get these kids to think about. Think about the community, bigger records than just thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you heard with International Soul. That's a big Philadelphia record that we got to keep pushing so we can make that the new anthem. West Philly, South Philly, North Philly, got soul. You know what I mean? We got to get them yeah. feeling that way. But a lot of these young kids, they don't think in a communal way the way we did in the old days mm-hmm. when we think about songs that can affect everybody, not just our personal story. But, yeah, that's the process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's funny that you said that because I like DJ Snake. Um, and DJ Snake, he has a a, a song called uh, You Are My Vibe. But he does nothing but, like, instrumental. Like, he packs out a whole stadium just just for his, his instrumental beat. And when, I, when you were talking about music and how you listen to it, that's all you got to listen to. That is actually what, to me, that makes the, the album more than what the vocals you put on it because that brings the people in and it wraps them up into what you have going on. And then you went over and you talked about writing. And that's such a true statement. I had a, a, a meeting with a, 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 a publisher. And, you know, I always tell authors, you know, when you go and you – want to get signed by a big publisher. You're waiting for them to tell you that you are great. And you can't take offense when you get that rejection only because they are looking for a specific thing. They need a specific Mm -hmm. feel. They want a specific idea. They need things to be so specific to fit them. Um, And I love, and a lot of authors don't understand that. They say, well, I write really great. You do. But that's just not a good fit for you. Talk a little bit right. about that. Let's just touch on that a little bit more because as an OG in the literary industry, I think it's, it's imperative that said and expanded upon so that authors know it doesn't mean that you aren't great. It doesn't mean that your pen is not great. It just means that you and that company don't match. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I call us the big four now. Only two of us are left. Eric Jerome Dickey, E. Lynn Harris, Michael Bazin, and Omar Tyree. Uh, peace and love. Rest in peace to Eric Jerome Dickey and E. Lynn Harris. Uh, but the, the way the hip uh, literary, literary work, movement worked in the 90s, we all had to put our own stuff out and get an audience. Because, yeah, the publishers were not thinking about black authors and a black audience. We had to prove that black people were willing to read in the 90s. Carrie McMillan opened up the gate for everybody with her first book, Mama, her second book, Disappearing Acts, and then her third book, Waiting to Exhale, that Oprah Winfrey put on her show, and it just, you know, blew up once Oprah started doing those book, book club things, you know. But for the most part, black writers, we still had to prove 
that we had an audience. You know, they, they didn't really care about our style of writing. And it, if it didn't have white people on it, if we weren't talking about racism and slavery, they were like, oh, we can't relate, and we're the only ones reading. You don't read your own stuff. And so a whole lot of black, you know, content that just dealt with black people, it wasn't being published because white folks were like, well, if nobody's white in the book and the white people are the only readers, black people ain't going to read it, even though you're writing about black people. So why are we putting these books out? So we had to basically prove that we had a black readership. And once Terry McMillan was able to open up that gate with the proof, all the rest of us who was publishing our own books first, right, Eric Jerome Dickey, Elin Harris, Michael Bazin, Omar Tyre, we all published our own books first. And then the publishers came calling and gave us more money and bigger distribution and marketing and all of that. And so that's the way it goes. And these kids are doing that now with the music. You know, they might be putting out music that the industry's not checking for. And then it's like, okay, what am I going to do? I think the music is hot. The industry doesn't want it. You have to build your own audience. That's why all these kids are independent now. However, just because you think you're in a different lane don't mean that it's good. So I heard your comment, but it don't mean that everybody's stuff is good. And a lot of times they lack a lot of elements that music typically has, where you got an introduction, you got a build up, you got a hook, you got a verse, you got a bridge, you got a pre-hook, you got all these different components. Some of these kids don't, they skip all them components, and they just rhyming and rhyming and rhyming, and I say, okay, what's the hook? What's the intro? What's the outro? What's the breakdown? What's the climax? They don't even know all of that kind of stuff. They're like, man, I'm just, this is a hot song. And so when you have kids that don't know the elements of putting music together and songs together, when you're up against a program director at a radio station, ain't no way in hell they playing your music. He's like, thinking like this kid don't even understand how a real song comes together. We're only playing real songs on the radio. So this kid can go find a place to play his music and see if they like it. And so a lot of times with, with new artists, it's like with new book writers, you have to develop your own audience, and then if you're making enough money, you know, big fish swallow little fish, that's when they come checking for you. So that's the way it was with my book, Fly Girl. It was a young, urban, uh, black audience, and they were like, ain't no young black people reading books, but then they proved it with their readership and the numbers, and then I got the bigger deal with Simon & Schuster, and that's how I was going with music right now, and that's how I was going with film. You know, Tyler Perry, I have yet to see him have a positive a review on any of his content, but yet the man is a billionaire in 15 years, and he did it right in our face with content that we still look at as being suspect. Nevertheless, somebody's buying it, a whole lot of it, and that dude's now a billionaire. I wish I could borrow $10 million to do my stuff and give him $20 million back, but that's not what black people do. We all look at each other, hit the lottery, and get our own money. We don't invest in each other. He'll tell me to go ahead and do movies at his studio where I'm paying him, but he won't loan me any capital when my name is is right next to his you know he's going to get the money back if he promotes what i'm doing but black people we don't do that and so i can't go nowhere in that man asking him if i can have an investment loan because he's going to say oh more i did this how come you can't and that's the way all black people do and that's why we all have to rebuild the whole ship even though we got 20 30 ships out on sea we got to rebuild our own ship every time and it's frustrating, but that's what I'm going through right now, trying to find my own investors to do my films. When we have the money, we have plenty of money, but we don't really look at each other as investment opportunities. And so that's what I'm working with right now. And, you know, yeah. you're right about us putting money back into our own people, into our own community. No, no. I got my money. Up. You got to get yours. You got to get yours. Right. I hit the lottery. Right. You can do it, too. You can hit the lottery. And you're like, for what? Right. You got a billion dollars. Why I got to hit the lottery? 
just let's do a contract right here. You give me 10, I give you 20 back in five years. You know I'm going to make it. All you got to do is say I gave Omar Tyree 10, $10 million to do his film. If Tyler Perry said that, everybody's going to have their eyes on me. Oh, my God, he gets him. Let me see what Omar does, right? If he makes that announcement, so that's automatic he's going to get it. But we don't do that for each other. You know, so I'm looking at this right now like, all right, as soon as I get my money in, I'm going to look at all the other books because I know all the book writers know me and respect me and love me and understand that I know their content. So I'm going to have all those book writers once I get in with this thing. I'm going to have tons of books, and I'm going to pick the best ones. I know how to execute them. So I'm going to be doing movies forever. But I got to get the money first. That's why music is so important because the movie guys ain't giving me a dime. I didn't talk your heads off, huh? Yeah, but I mean, and that's no. true. You know, a lot of times I think we get so wrapped up in pulling yourself up from your bootstrap type uh, mentality. You know, in our community, we just have yeah, and we, we go overboard. Yeah, we, we go overboard with that bootstrap mentality, putting in your own. We have been the most bootstrap, putting in your own. We're putting sweat. We have been. Nobody on earth has sweated more than black people who try to put stuff together. But we still don't trust each other with the loans and investments. It's just what it is, man. This country did a great job at uh, basically seducing our mentality into not trusting each other. Now we have athletes. Let's think about this now. We got rap, not rappers, uh, football players and basketball players making $40 million a year. Every year they're making $40 million. Okay, after taxes, take off 10 $30 million every single year. And they are terrified mm-hmm. of their own community because they got agents and lawyers selling them, oh, don't mess with the black community. And then you end up, when you ever you hear of black people losing money on some bad deal, it's white people that's doing it. Not us. Not us. But these, all these athletes making all this money that are terrified of their own community because they didn't grow up doing business. They grew up playing sports. So they don't know anything about business, but yet they're making all this money. Oh, man, I can go for one for a year. So I'm going to get in cahoots with a lot of these athletes to get them to trust me, you know, in a couple more years, too, because that's a lot of money that could benefit a whole lot of black investment businesses, and then they're going to get it right back. I'm going to give it right back to you. You know, in fact, I'm going to have a whole pot of money waiting to say, look, if your money don't happen, I'm going to give it right back for my money. But in the meantime, let's put this money here, 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 because we've got some things that we can do to make money, right? And we have to have faith and trust in what we're doing in the black community. You know, so that's a big conversation and something that has to happen because we are making plenty of money now. But, yeah, that bootstrap thing, we always lift yourself up for what? We got all kind of money. We don't need to keep doing this bootstrap stuff that we keep talking about. Stop talking about that Mm -hmm. and start investing in each other. Mm. But I think a lot of it stems back from something that you just said about the business mentality. I don't feel, oh, I don't think, I don't know the statistics, but, are there a lot of us that go through the business aspect in school? You know, you it's not – I'm not talking about having an overnight – I'm an overnight, you know, executive. You have to know the ins and the outs of the business. And I think a lot of it stems from the trust. You know, well, what do you really know about this business? Are you going to take me for a ride? You know, and that it also can damage how people see you. Not necessarily you, but just how people see you in general as as far as business is concerned. You know, are you going to scam me for my hard-earned money or are you going to help me build it? 
Yeah, you know, when you talk about that stuff there and this whole idea of business, when I was at Howard University, okay, I was a barber. I was already, and I, and I had a 40-hour job and in school. Mm-hmm. So I'm making mm-hmm. money, right, in the corporate way. I'm making money on my own, hey, man, $5 a head, $7 a head, $10 a head. I'm collecting money all the time. And then I used to actually mm-hmm. have jokes and tease people who were in the business school who were learning accounting and all because they actually wasn't doing business. They're learning business, but they're not doing business. And so I was like, yo, mm-hmm. y'all need to actually do business like I'm doing business, making money, understanding how to negotiate and the whole nine. So as soon as I came out right. of Howard, I started my own publishing company. I started negotiating my own deals with distributors and bookstores and all that, Did, write my own checks, opened up my own company, and I didn't go to business school with Howard. But I understood business because I was already doing it. And so what happens is mm-hmm. what happens. Black people come out of business school. And they end up working for corporate America. Corporate America already has money. And so this word that everybody uses now is called budget. What's your budget? Well, corporate America already has budgets because they got money in storage. But then black people take Mm -hmm. that word budget to somewhere else. It don't work anyplace else because a lot of other people don't have money, don't have a budget. They doing it from the roots, from the muscle, from the mud. They ain't got a budget like corporate America. So what ends up happening Mm -hmm. is that we get into this whole business plan thing where we think everybody got a corporate business plan. And then we use that as a litmus test for them to get our money. You have a corporate Mm -hmm. business plan. It's like, yo, dude, I sell T-shirts. I print them for six. I sell them for fifteen. What what do you need to that's nine dollars. The more we print these shirts and advertise, the more money. What kind of business do with that simple business, right? But we mm-hmm. looking, oh no, you mm-hmm. have to do a business plan and show me this and show me that. And it's like you do you just gatekeeping. You don't want to spend the money, so you're using a, a way of which you can get away from using the money by trying to get me to mm-hmm. do some uh what they call it's a business plan. A lot of it's about projections. You projecting that you're going to make this event, and they and people actually get off on that. Oh, he's going to make a million dollars in the next four months, and I'm like, dude, that's a projection, right? You actually right. have to do the work to make that happen. But that's how a whole lot of us got spun around. What we think in this corporate, you know, business. Most businesses actually happen. Mom and pop, family, where you trust the family. You get the money down. Mm-hmm. The family's working with you. Then you give the money back to the family. The business is growing. You put more money in it. The business grows more. Then you start franchise. But it starts with family. My business starts right. with family. And it wasn't about them talking about, oh, you're not going. They knew I was a hustler. My aunts, my uncles, my mom, my pa- they already knew Omar would go get that money. So they're not t- asking me to do no business plan and all that. But when you go to people that have more money, I understand a business plan, a, a map of how you're going to get it back and what you're going to do. But a lot of them people mm-hmm. use that as a way to tell you no. That's what it is. They, they use that as a mm. way because they can see the money you're making. They know what you're doing, and they figure, okay, if he can't do a business plan. Sure, you came out of school with that business plan stuff, but how many people are billionaires who didn't even finish school, including white people, because they understand the elements mm-hmm. of business? I got a product that people want to buy. I'm going to bring the product price down low enough where we can all make money, then we sell it to the people, we market it and advertise it. That's simple. But right. we make it so right. hard because we really don't want to invest in each other. That's true, and that's the bottom line. You know, you you don't, and it's like you don't want to see the next person succeed. Yeah, so, I, I ain't do nothing. I ain't, well, I'm trying helping her out, and she's gonna blow up. Right. And I ain't blow up. I ain't helping her. Right. Ain't nobody help me. And that, I, I got a, I had a short story series I did called The American Disease that's still on Amazon. Uh, and, and with that short story, that was one of the big arguments that I had where one woman had a son, 
And, you know, of course, she was a baby mamas and all that. The father didn't help out and all this. So she, her whole mentality was, ain't nobody help us. So when he blow up, we ain't helping him. And the brother that was a, a financial analyst, he said, sister, how does that make any sense? You're mad because nobody helps you when you're raising your boy. Now he's about to get this big athlete money, and you're going to turn around and do the same thing that you hate that happened to you? That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Now all you're doing is doing the same thing, and that thing keeps running back and running back and running back with black people running around talking, ain't nobody help me. I ain't helping nobody. Ain't nobody. It's just crazy. Like, get out of that mentality. Nobody helps you, mm-hmm. so I'm going to help everybody. That's how you need to reverse it. I'm going to help as many people, and that's how I'm thinking right now. That's why I'm working with these young people because they're not getting on. People not teaching them a business. They're not going to be independent competing with Sony and Universal and, and, and Warner Brothers. You ain't got no money to get nowhere near what they what they're doing but i'm trying to go after that money to put them in position to do that then put them in films Mm -hmm. and then teach them the business teach them real estate teach them how to keep their money the whole nine teach them not how to be frivolous with it so i'm trying to do all of that because my whole thing was i'm so pissed off at not being able to get investment money that i'm like you know what i'm going to help more people now i'm not going to get mad i'm going to help Mm -hmm. more people now Mm -hmm. because i see how hard it is for us to get some money when we have ideas it's hard as ever for us black people to get any money, right? And so that's yeah. what I got to start doing with the new money I get. And that's why I'm doing this project now with all the Philadelphians first. Then once I finish Philadelphia's mm-hmm. album, I already got people in Atlanta want to work with me, New York, Chicago, L.A. I'm going to work with everybody, Caribbean people, Africans, mm-hmm. everybody. I'm just doing Philly first mm-hmm. because that's my home base, and I know I can get a lot more done there because everybody knows right. me. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly right. what happened. Right, well, you have to be the one to break that cycle, and it sounds like you are on par to do that, Omar. Lisa and I so yeah. appreciate you coming into the chat room, sharing your energy. You know you are always welcome here. And anything on your spirit that you want to share, just hit us up, and we'll make it happen. But uh, you keep doing what you're doing. We're so very proud of you. And make well, sure you, you, you tag us. Tag us in your, yeah, you in your stuff. Yeah, if you guys can play that international soul for the audience when I'm gone, that'd be great. You know what I mean? And let them hear it. You know that I'm trying to make that the new Philly anthem. You know, positive music that's swinging too. You know what I mean? That's a Absolutely. swinging song. Yeah, so that'd Absolutely. be great to keep that thing pushing. Yeah, thank you guys. Wait. You're welcome. Make sure you share your social media and everywhere that people can actually download and get whatever oh, yeah, it is yeah, that you provide to The main thing is. Instagram now. I'm at only one, the normal one, only number one. Omar Tyree. That's my uh, Instagram, and everything else is just Omar Tyree. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn. Omar Tyree. And they always ask us like, you got a tag name? We built up a whole lot of years of marketing as book authors to have our own name. <laughs> so I always like, when they ask me that question, I'm like, why would I change my tag when I've built? 20, 30 years of building old Martyrie. Now I'm going to use something different. You know, I'm like, not yet. But I'm, I am going to use the old head as a music producer, but I'm still old Martyrie first. You know, then I'll use the old head as I get more popular in it because, you know, all them kids are young. So they looking at me like, man, you old. What you know about me? I still got young ears, and I still got a lot of energy, which y'all already know. But these kids find that out when I get them around. They're like, wow, this dude got a lot of – but that's how hustlers are. Think about it. These white men that run companies – they never want to stop, man. They want to all these damn owners of these sports teams. They be in everybody, eighty something years old, and they still in the way. Cause that's how they are. Hustlers are like that, man. We always want to be a part of what we're doing. It's not a job. It's a career. It's our business. It's what we love, and that's why we don't ever want to quit. You don't ever hear hustlers talking about retiring. 
We don't talk about that because we're already doing what we love. So I'm going to be doing this for a number of years. I'm 52 now. I want to be 85 and still doing it. <laughs> I know you will. I mean, well, well, oh I'm about to say, we believe it. We know you will. But you know, before you go and head out the chat room, we always like to do something a little fun with our guests. So he is going to give you a fun question. Not going to be too much. There's a fun question. Uh, sure. About the garden we're creating here in the chat room. Absolutely. About well, um, it's about a garden. We have a virtual. We have a virtual garden here on Let's Chat, and all of our guests sometimes they add their favorite flower, tree, bench, or shrub, or whatever. We want you to add something to our virtual garden that best represents Mr. Omar Tari. My favorite what book or song or favorite what? We want you, you to put add. A new- we want you to okay, y'all add both talking. Y'all your, cancel each other out. Go ahead. We want you to add your flavor to our virtual garden. It could be a book. It could be a plant. It could be oh, a so flower. Oh, so this is something I got to send in. So this is something I got to send nope. in? Nope. You just tell us. Tell us what you would add to our virtual garden. To a virtual, what's the last word? Virtual what? Garden. A garden. A virtual you know, garden, outside, garden, a garden outside. You got plants. People walk through it. It's a place of peace. What would you add to our garden? Okay, okay. So right now, wow. Well, you ain't caught me with that. The fly girl book is what everybody likes to read. I just put that in there. You know, make it easy. Okay, so they yeah, can sit in our garden reading Mr. Omar Tyree's Fly Girl. So we thank you for your contribution to the Left Chat Virtual Garden. Yeah, that's what they like the most, you know what I mean, until, until they start hearing the music more regularly. Then they're, you know what, Omar's good at this music. He's really good at it. And then you can say, yeah, Omar's been doing that for a while. Y'all just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Omar, you, yep. you keep Thanks, doing what guys. you're doing, and we're, oh, we're yeah. so proud of you. All right, International Soul from Avion featuring Grio Noy, the rapper. That's actually my youngest son on there. So that's Grio Noy, and he took the Grio name. I, I didn't know he was going to do that. I was shocked. Like, he took the Grio name, you know, because I used to call myself the Urban Grio, you know, and I had an album, two albums I put out as the Urban Grio. And then I had a website, theurbangrio.com. So, yeah, that's the International Soul record with my son on the rap, eight bars, and he's good, too. But just like these other young kids, he don't want to listen to dad. I got hot beats for him right now, but he want to go in the wilderness by himself because, you know, he don't want the nepotism thing. But I'm looking at that like, dude, if I had a father that was doing X, Y, Z, I'd be all over it. <laughs> but these kids are different, <laughs> man, you know. Yeah, I'm just imagining, like, all the hard work I had to do. If I had a relative that was already there, I'm like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you every day. My son is the opposite, of course, because he grew up with it. So he's like, I'm trying to make my own way. But, yeah, that's that's the setup for International Soul, that new record All over there. All right. Thank you, guys. And no problem. This is International Soul, Omar Tyree. Beautiful. You know, I got a lot of people asking me now, how you going to go from writing books to writing movies, and, and now you're doing music? And I'm like, I've been doing this. Y'all just didn't know about it. A lot of y'all must have forgot where I'm from. So I guess I gotta remind y'all that that Philadelphia soul is international. 
So we want to know, what was your goal moment when you used to sit down and write the book, The Shortest Spot in the Room? My goal moment was when I wanted my book to be about me. And, like, my goal moment was I want to write this book. I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. Now, did you know what you wanted your book to be about? The time, I kind of wanted it to be about a girl, kind of like me, and her personality is like me, and her friends are like my friends. That's what I wanted my book to kind of be about. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds like fun. Now, I love your book cover. How How much... How much input did you put into the book cover, and was the book cover your idea on how you wanted your book to look? Yes, the book cover was my idea. I got to choose many different styles and what she wears and the background of the book cover. Mm-hmm. That sounds like okay. fun. <laughs> now, now, when you decided to say, I want to write this book, I, I kind of know what I wanted to be like. Um, who was your biggest supporter in that process for you? My biggest supporter was my mommy. She really helped me a lot in the book, and she encouraged me to do the book a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, mommies are the best, aren't they? So yes. you <laughs> told your mom, you told your mom what you wanted to do, um, and you were. You did it so verbally that she was like, okay, and like all moms, we're going to make it happen. Whatever you want to do, I'm here to make it happen for you. So when you started writing, what was the hardest part of the writing process for you? The hardest part was really when, like, I had to read the whole book to make sure everything was perfect and then I had to, like, go back and forth to make sure, like, everything looked perfect in the book and then... I had to read the whole book. I had to tell them what I wanted to fix and stuff like that. That was would be the hardest part for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now, how have your friends? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How has your friends reacted to you having a book out? My friends are so happy for me, especially my best friend. She loves the book, and her name was in it, so she was really happy. Oh, that's so nice. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about this cover because those are uh, sharks. That's the shark team in the background. What made you want to add them to the cover? Well, I actually was watching Shark Tank with my mom, and I really loved Shark Tank, so I kind of wanted to add some of that in my book mm-hmm. of me being on Shark Tank because I loved it so much. Okay. Now, do you want to be on Shark Tank one day? Do you want to be an actual guest with the product to present to them? Yes, I would love to be on Shark Tank one day. It seems so fun. And outside of writing, what do you enjoy doing? I love really hanging out with my friends and watching TV. That sounds like fun. Um, I say fashion because you are very, you're bubbly. That means you're very eccentric. So I know that whenever you get dressed, you put some creative feel into everything you put on. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Yes.
Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, is it pronounced Zanaya or Zanaya? Zanaya. Zanaya. Okay. I also love Shark Shark Tank, and my husband loves it even more. So one day we're gonna see you on TV. Now, can you share with us what you will be presenting on Shark Tank? Probably present a, another one of my books, or like my website or something like that. Mm -hmm. And how many books do you have so far? How many books do I have so far? Mm -hmm. So far I have one, but there will be two more. So you have Mm -hmm. two, so you got three books total. So when I asked you how many books do you have so far, I should have said written and unwritten. So you actually got three books um, ready to go. Or in your in your mind of what you want it to be, is it going to be like a spinoff of the shortest box, or is it going to be um, a different kind of book? Semi, like chapters, kinda. Mm-hmm. So it's going to kind of be a spinoff of the shortest box, and each box is going to be doing something different. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now. Not- Go ahead, see. No, I was going to – now, do you like to read as well? I love reading. It's one of my favorite things to do in school and to participate Mm -hmm. in. Now, what's your favorite um, book to read? I love Dork Diaries. Oh, okay. Dork Diaries. Now, is writing something that you want to pursue as a career, is that something that you've thought about? That hasn't been in my mind yet. Mm-hmm. Really, because I wanted to wait until I kind of get older to figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's smart. You know, you may just enjoy it, the journey that you're on right now, for as long as you want to enjoy it. I love it. I Sounds love it. Good. Okay. Now, what are three things throughout this journey you have experienced? So if there was another children's author out there, another little girl thinking about doing the same thing based on everything that you've experienced, what are three things you would give her as far as advice? What are three things you would say to that person? Um, if they were thinking about pursuing writing as a child? Uh, one of them, I would say do it. It's really fun, and it's a really great, decent process, and it's really fun to do, and you can experience with everyone and all of your family and friends around you and some good advice. So, and then I would, I would say that it's pretty it's a pretty short process and it's really fun to do. So you can always like get a ghostwriter or something to help you if you ever need help, so you don't just do it alone and then get overwhelmed. Mhm. I agree. So you're letting them know, even if you need help, it's okay um, to get somebody to help you along the way. I love it. There's nothing wrong with that because, and I think kids are really creative. You guys think about the wildest things. 
um, just looking at something as simple as a TV show. So I'm quite sure um, we're going to see a lot. And we have just seen a lot more children's authors um, that are actual children writing books and opening businesses. We are so very proud of you. Mm-hmm, we are. And we want you to keep doing all this wonderful work and sharing your bubbly personality because it actually, you know, even though we're on the phone, your personality comes through the wires and our listening audience can hear the the bubbliness, the brightness, and the funness of what it is that you're doing. So we want to thank you for sharing your precious time with us this evening. Absolutely. And always remember that in your journey, no matter what you do, you set the atmosphere for everything that comes to you, okay? We are so very proud of you. We want you to shout out all of your, if you have social media, shout out your name of your book where everyone can get it, and we want you to shout out your website. Okay. my Where you can get my book is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Pull your spots on the room on Amazon. My website is the dot the dot the dot bookshop. And my website is ironbossmagic.com. Now y'all hear that? This baby said you can get her book at Doc's Bookshop. If you don't know, that is a bookstore in Fort Worth, Texas. Listen. Grown authors. This baby got her book in a bookstore. I'm gonna need y'all to get it together, get, get it together, because she got it together. She's got it on Amazon and in a bookstore. Go, on, girl. That's right. That's right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And when. I- and whenever you're ready to to share more of your personality, your new materials, you know, just just let us know. And Leisha and I, Miss Leisha and I, will make it happen. You know, we absolutely love your mom, so she she knows as well. We can make those things happen. So anytime you want to share, just let us know, okay? Okay. <laughs> and Enjoy we the rest of your you. evening. And you have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I love that lady. You're so cute. Listen, <laughs> y'all grown-ups, y'all got to get it together. These kids is on y'all heels. They are on y'all heels. They got mm-hmm. business. She about her business. Books. She about her business. She is the shortest <laughs> boss in the room. I'm telling y'all, listen, literally, <laughs> get into it. Make sure that we go out and support her. Head over to Amazon, purchase the book for your children, your nieces, your nephews. We're going to share the link on our pages. Y'all, show Mm -hmm. her some love and support. She is a new arrival. She has a lot of things that she is going to bring to the forefront to bless us. I I, Mm -hmm. I believe in the world because I see her doing fashionable things and just, y'all, she's so dope. She is so Mm -hmm. dope. I love it. I love it. So do I. So do I. That was a great interview. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you guys coming to kick it with us here on the chat room if you're just tuning in. No worries. Head over to our archives here on blogtalk.com, on iTunes, as well as iHeartRadio if you want to listen to the entirety of the interviews of today. Other than that, we will see you guys next week. We're going to hit you with another song from Omar Tyree. Have a great weekend. Have a fabulous weekend.
It's the uptown thing. You know. Yeah. Look. It's the uptown thing, how we walk, how we talk, how we drift. It's the uptown thing, get my eye, many dudes don't exist. It's the uptown thing, made it bankroll, chillin', no lifting. It's the uptown thing, we finesse, cause we younger, we gifted. I know some demons, some villains, yeah, they be in uptown. I got some homies that's trapping and scheming, they need to bust down. Why you act like that? It's the uptown thing. Why you clap like that, dipping off? I ain't trying to see the bank. I be in my own space, in a race, I know I'm lapping these boys. In the space, not a lane, in my lane, not in my crash in the yours. See back in the whip, yeah, lamb, and the young keep swerving. Law child, get my homie, but she said she got it, baby, don't worry. Used to be a shooting guard, the streets had to go retire my jersey. I'm a big boss, I'ma only talk to you if I think that you worthy. I be cautious when I move, since I knew him in the city, been shot. Uptown look nice, thinking it's a game, then it get got. Everything I spit high, I ain't like the beat, but I ran on it. Tell him put a band on it, if I said something, I'ma stand on it. Why you act like that? It's the uptown thing. Why you move like that? Cause I'm a uptown king. It's the uptown thing. How we walk, how we talk, how we drift. It's the uptown thing. Get my eye, many dudes don't exist. It's the uptown thing. Made a bankroll, chillin', no lifting. It's the uptown thing. We finesse, cause we younger, we gifted. You die PT, that's uptown. I'm in my bag on triples, we up now. All the honey keep on saying what's up now. Yeah. Popped out con drip, handsome youngin', I'm not a pretty boy I don't like city girls, but I can't lie, I know I'm a city boy I be so busy boy, focus on yourself, what is you silly boy? I be focused on me, you really think I'ma care what you like? Might get a wheel when the wheels pull up on shorty flow and she hype <laughs> Yeah, look, and I don't even need a foreign I pull up on the late, I'm looted, so I'm scoring Her face in my lap, I'm posing like I'm Jordan And she ain't even care when I start recording Nothing further she get from me cause she regular And why these jokers compete and we ain't competitors On your life young boy, I'm about to level up Yeah, just like a double dutch, super easy yeah. It's the uptown thing, how we walk, how we talk, how we drift It's the uptown thing, get my eye, many dudes don't exist It's the uptown thing, made a bankroll, chillin', no lifting It's the uptown thing, we finesse cause we younger, we gifted Everything I spit high it's the uptown thing. Why you clap like that? It's the uptown thing. Why you act like that? It's the uptown thing. Why you move like that? Cause I'm a uptown king. It's the uptown thing. It's the uptown thing. It's the uptown thing. Cause I'm a uptown king. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.